Hollywood is shut down. Actors are banned from doing pretty much anything you would imagine an actor would do. They can't act, they can't dance, they can't sing, they can't do puppets, they can't fly drones on camera. Whole big comprehensive list. This is Avi Selk, a breaking news features editor at The Post. And he's been covering the strike that shut down Hollywood last week. This strike means that Star Wars production is on hold. Avatar is on hold. The next seasons of The Last of Us, Stranger Things, Abbott Elementary, all of that work is on hold. And it's not just that. They also cannot promote their movies for major studios, which is probably the most immediate effect we're seeing. Um, The strike actually was called during the red carpet premiere event for Oppenheimer in London. And you saw the cast literally leave that early. Uh, unfortunately, they're, they're off to break their picket sides for what we believe uh, to be an imminent uh, strike by SAG, uh, joining my guild, uh, one of my guilds, the Writers Guild, uh, in the struggle for fair wages for working members of the union. And we support And now studios are going to have to figure out, for the movies that have already been made, that they're hoping to make money on, how are we going to promote these if we can't bring our stars out onto the red carpet? The Writers Guild of America has been on strike since May. The Screen Actors Guild joined them on Friday, making this a historic double strike, the first since 1960. And whatever the outcome, Hollywood will not be the same. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Tuesday, July 18th. And today, Avi and I talk about how this strike is already changing television and what it could mean for the future of entertainment. Okay, Avi, I know that the Writers Guild, it it represents the people who write on a lot of television shows, and they've been on strike since May. And we've actually talked about this before on Post Reports and some of their demands. Um, And, you know, like how much streaming has impacted the traditional TV model, and, and this is sort of an inflection point. But then last week, the main actors union joined the writers. So why did they join them, and why are they striking right now? They actually have a lot of the same issues, the actors and the writers. Uh, You know, if I could break it down into like two major bullet points, the big one is uh, nobody's getting paid enough, according to the unions, Uh, for long, long time, decades. Most actors um, are, are not, you know, your big Brad Pitt stars. They're sort of working class people who may actually have multiple jobs. Uh, What they rely on for steady income is called residuals, which is like a percentage of profits they get every time the show or movie they worked on is restreamed, rebroadcast, or licensed. And what the unions will say is that those residuals have been plummeting in the era of streaming. They argue that studios are taking advantage of the business model changes that have come with the rise of Netflix, the rise of Amazon, and the streaming to essentially slash residuals, also slash worker protections. The talking point that the unions use is they're trying to turn us into gig workers, Hmm. whereas it used to be if you were a TV writer, you had a career ahead of you, you started out low, you worked on more and more successful shows, hopefully. Now they're arguing that we're going to hire you for a week or a month, and then we're, you're, you're cut loose. You're like an Uber driver to us. And Avi, what do the studios have to say about these concerns over pay? 
When it comes down to the unions asking for money, they say that we can't afford it. This is not the right time to be demanding more money. They point to the recent, you know, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, but that was a huge blow to movies and entertainment. There are signs that they're starting to earn money again, that people are coming back to the theaters. We're seeing scattered reports of record profits, but the studios are basically saying like, look guys, we this is not the time to come to us for more money. Bob Iger, the chief executive of Disney, was famously quoted the day that SAG called it strike, saying, you know, this is the worst possible time you could do this to us. I've also seen people in these guilds respond, well, these executives make all this money, so how come you guys are making all this money and you're telling us that we can't afford to be paid more? Right. But is that sort of always how it goes with a union dispute? That's always how it goes in in in, in a capitalist world, there's <laughs> just the executives are always making exponentially more than everyone else. And you can always say, well, why don't you give up your paycheck? And then the businesses will say, well, we need to pay these executives this much because they're coming up with the ideas for the future. Mm-hmm. You can argue that anyway. And so essentially both of these sides, they were negotiating over terms, over employment and future contracts, and those negotiations broke down, and that's why we're here. But also hearing you talk, it also makes me think about how much technology has impacted this industry. You used to just have like linear TV and people would have writer's rooms and they have 22 episodes a season and now they're streaming. What are some of the other concerns that actors are having right now about how technology could shape the future of their work? So AI is the other big bullet point beyond streaming. And this is a little more nebulous because AI is rapidly advancing, but it's still pretty early. Like I I think a studio would have trouble getting an AI to write, you know, a single scene, let alone an entire season. But the rate at which it has advanced in the last couple of years is what's really um, concerning the unions. And what they're asking the studios to do is not ban AI, but make sure we're, we're sort of part of the discussion. Give us some guarantees. What they're worried about is, you know, five, ten years from now, studios could be using, like, ChatGPT to write the bones of a script and then handing it to some low-level kind of gig worker-style writer and being like, polish this up mm, and barely paying them. What the actors are especially concerned about are um, the advances that have been made in body scanning technology, voice replication. They are especially concerned for extras, what we call extras, you know, the people that stand in the background and don't have big roles or even lines, uh, that essentially extras are going to be the first to be replaced by AI. I mean, how much truth is there to that concern that, like, actors could very soon potentially be replaced by essentially robots? And what are the studios saying in response to those concerns? I think there's truth to it. It's already happened. Disney released uh, this movie Prom Pack, and there was a scene in it. There, I think it was a basketball game, and you have your, your typical crowd shot, your players in the front row and the crowd behind them. And all these clips started going around on social media because people noticed these very creepy, uncanny valley, dead-eyed fans behind the athletes. And like moving robotically, blinking robotically, but looking more or less human. And I don't think anyone ever confirmed that those were AI-generated actors, but it sure looked like it. It's not going to be that long before AI actors are not creeping people out and before you can't even tell when you're looking at a real human and a real person in a movie. What are the studios saying to that concern? 
The studios are promising that that's not their intention at all. They're saying, uh, look, we, we Hollywood is going to stay human. We're not going to be having uh, simulacrums performing in our movies. That doesn't make any sense. It's not possible, and we don't want to do it. What we do want is um, the ability to... to to experiment with new technology, to keep innovating. It's what Hollywood has been about for its entire history. And they're arguing um, that the restrictions the unions want to put on AI are going to hobble them, and they're mm. not willing to do it. You know, this does in some ways feel like a very sudden, out-of-the-blue conflict, but is that true? Is this really the culmination of various forces, business forces, that have been brewing for many years and have kind of reached this tipping point? Yeah, especially the paycheck stuff has been going on, kind of coinciding with the rise of streaming in the last 10 or 15 years. It's been a gradual building up. Um, you know, the unions generally negotiate their contracts every three years. The last time they negotiated their contract, it oh, seemed to go smoothly. This mm -hmm. didn't come up. Um, so at some point in the last three years, we, we must have reached the tipping point where the concerns for the writers and actors um, – force the leaders of the union to take these drastic steps. And it's worth pointing out that um, though the strikes were technically called by the leaders of the unions, they held public votes for like every SAG, all 160,000 performers in SAG-AFTRA, and those votes were overwhelming. They were like 99 point something percent in favor of striking. So the membership is very, very much wanting to strike. Yeah, there just seems like huge solidarity among from like the top of the top, like uh, Matt Damon and, and you know, Fran Drescher, who is the the president of the Actors Guild, um, going out and being very forceful about this down to like the background actors you're talking about, right? There is overwhelming support. Um, what we're still waiting to see is kind of where some of these top tier A-list actors are going to come down. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are making, they, they, you know, they've come out to support it on social media, a lot of them. Um, I think The Hollywood Reporter had a report that Tom Cruise was sort of in the background. That would be huge. Right. Um, for the most part, we have not seen the big crush of A-list actors that some people were hoping for or expecting in the first couple days of Pickett's. We've seen Susan Sarandon's been out there. Jason Sudeikis was drawing big crowds in New York. But your Tom Cruise's, your Brad Pitt's have not been seen on the street yet. Even during the 2007 writer strike, which was not actors, it was very common to see big A-list celebrities out with the writers striking in solidarity. And the unions this time around are going to be expected to produce those A-listers. How long could this go on? Until it's over. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the unions have been sort of laying the groundwork to mentally prepare us for this to go on for the rest of the year. Wow. Which isn't to say they won't have a breakthrough next week, which isn't to say it won't be even worse than that and, you know, go into next year. After the break, Avi and I talk about what the strike means for the movies and TV shows you've been looking forward to. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? 
From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat. Available now. So, Avi, can you talk me through some of the most immediate impacts of this double strike for consumers of entertainment? What shows or movies are on hold right now? We have a list, a running list of everything that's on hold. The short answer is all of them are going to be on hold. There are some notable exceptions. Okay, so any foreign film, you know, the Indian uh, film industry, the Korean film industry, the British film industry, they can keep doing their things. Their unions are not on strike. But there's so much crossover in the TV Mm. film world across continents it's a little more complicated than that. Also, you know, the issues that, that the actors are having in the U.S. are universal issues. Um, you know, studio capitalists sort of behave the same way, regardless of what country they're in. They're all looking to sort of tighten budgets and make as mo- much money from the movies as possible. So you're seeing a lot of so- solidarity among actors in other countries. And at the same time, you're seeing studios possibly start to turn to those countries Hmm. to do their productions and filming because their unions aren't on strike or there are no unions in those countries. You know, Avi, when I think about the lasting impacts of this strike beyond just, you know, the TV shows and the movies that were supposed to be worked on this year, my mind kind of goes to when there was a last major strike, and that was in 2007 with the Writers Guild. And I wonder what happened then and how instructive that could be as to how the studios are going to cope with with this huge shutdown? Um, famously, and it's a little more complicated than just saying that this strike led to reality TV. It didn't. But it certainly helped fuel the popularity of reality TV because you had writers not willing to work during the strike. Therefore, studios can't write scripts. Literally, no one can write scripts for them. So what do you do? Start airing more unscripted shows. And so now we have the reality TV genre, which is huge, and by the way, is not affected by the current strike. Because they Um, don't have writers and actors and people can work on reality TV shows if they're called to do so? Yeah, reality TV shows um, are safer than your general scripted show. Mm -hmm. Soap operas can continue because they are produced under a different contract than the one that's, uh, yeah, variety shows are okay. Um, The big question this time around is where are the influencers? In 2007, there was not this huge population of quote-unquote influencers, amateur performers that are on Twitch, on TikTok, on YouTube, generally not unionized, not in SAG, able to do whatever they want to do. And I'm sure the studios are already looking for ways they can use those people. Now, One big caveat is that SAG has warned influencers, a Mm. lot of whom, even though they aren't part of the union, have a sort of separate, something it's called like an influencer agreement with SAG. Yeah. And SAG has gone so far as to warn influencers and even like cosplayers, like people like to, you know, dress up as their favorite Marvel, you know, superheroes at conventions, that doing that in a way that would constitute promoting a movie could hinder your ability to join the actor's union in the future. Oh, wow. So if you're a union, if you're an influencer right now, you have two things. Like one, hmm, Hollywood has no actors. Can I take advantage 
B, oh, I'd really like to be a professional actor at some point in my career. Am I going to get blacklisted for doing any work right now? You know, this feels like it's an existential moment. This is a very dramatic event within that, but it overall is an existential moment for the entertainment industry. It's one of the biggest high-profile clashes between human workers worried about the future of AI and technology and how that's going to shape their work in the future and business interests. And I'm wondering, is do you think it is an existential moment right now that this could fundamentally change how the entertainment industry is going to function in the future? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's going to. Just by definition, it already has. Um, the way I like to think about this is I think back to 1960, which is the last time that actors and writers went on strike together. So far back that Ronald Reagan was a Democrat who was the head of the Screen Actors Guild at the time, negotiating for the striking actors against the studios. And a lot of what drove that double strike was the rise of TV. Um, you suddenly had this phenomenon where actors were being paid for their movies, and then their movies would go and be rebroadcast on TV, and they weren't getting nearly as much money as they deserved. So that 1960 strike helped create what we now call the residual model, hmm. where actors are guaranteed a percentage of profits every time their show is rebroadcast on TV. What we're now kind of seeing is a reconciliation between that ancient system and the new technology like streaming, like AI, like the influencer, the rise of the influencers. Uh, what's if Assuming they do settle this and Hollywood isn't just closed forever, you're probably going to see a, a transformative contract that lays groundwork for the business of Hollywood in the 21st century. Well, thanks, Avi, for taking time to join us and explain this all for us. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Avi Selk is a breaking news features editor for The Post. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Gabe O'Connor. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Maggie Penman. Thanks to Rena Flores and Alana Gordon. If you want to show your support for our show, leave us a rating or a review on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. 